If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a one-time or reoccurring donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate tab in the menu. Donations made to Mayflower's Communications Fund are tax-deductible and help ensure that this podcast is available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City by the Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, senior minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie. Will you bow your heads with me? We are slightly concerned, Holy One, that you are going to start responding to our prayers with, per my last email, we, we keep making the same mistakes, trying to resolve violence with violence, playing emotional tit-for-tat, and then wondering why everything is going up in flames. We know. You've told us. It didn't work for the ancient Israelites. It didn't work for the disciples. It didn't work for the early church. So we pause now to confess and repent words that we too often keep at arm's length. But we know that we cannot change if we do not name our complicity, if we do not admit our acceptance of the status quo, if we do not recognize our contribution to the pain in the world. Holy One, hear our confession. We cling to the hope we find in reading our sacred stories about our ancestors of faith who seem to have messed up just as often as we do, but still seemed to get some important things right. We trust that you will be there to dust us off when we get back up again, just as you did with them. May it be so, Holy One. We pray in the name of Jesus and his relentless love. Amen. The sermon this morning comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, a translation out of the Inclusive Bible. Six days after that, Jesus took Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain where they could be alone. And there Jesus was transfigured before their eyes. The clothes Jesus wore became dazzling white, whiter than any earthly bleach could make them. Elijah appeared to them, as did Moses, and the two were talking with Jesus. The Peter spoke, then Peter spoke to Jesus, Rabbi, he said, how wonderful it is for us to be here. Let us make three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what he was saying, so overcome were they with awe. Then a cloud formed overshadowing them, 
And there came a voice from out of the cloud. This is my beloved, my own. Listen to this one. Then suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore. Only Jesus. Here ends the reading from our tradition. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. Our guest preacher this morning is the Reverend Stephanie Kendall, Executive Minister and COO of Park Avenue Christian Church in New York City. She graduated with a Master of Divinity from Bright Divinity School with an additional certificate in history, theology, and ethics, and is a current doctoral student at Drew University. Ordained in the Christian Church Disciples of Christ, Reverend Stephanie is the current vice, first vice moderator of the denomination. Reverend Stephanie is passionate about justice-seeking ministries that aid in the value of intersectional perspectives. Her ministries are rooted in words and actions, and you can find her in most movements seeking justice for all of God's creation. She loves casting big vision for her communities and helping them live into that vision in creative, just, and financially responsible and sustainable ways. Her writing has been published in both books and online publications. Her work focuses on centering marginalized communities within scripture and captured audiences around the globe. Reverend Stephanie is a co-host of the Disciples' number one podcast on faith and pop culture called Two on One. She is also a member of the Bethany Fellows, Macedonian Ministries, and Duke Divinity's Seek the Welfare program. Reverend Stephanie also co-founded Beloved and Proud, an interfaith pride collaborative. Reverend Stephanie is a native of the San Francisco Bay Area, where she continues to be an avid supporter of the local sports teams, as well as a fan of the US WNT. She holds a degree in musical theater and theater arts from the University of Redlands, and she is a past matron in the Order of the Eastern Star. Before her call to ordain ministry, Reverend Stephanie was a producer and operations manager for an international theatrical marketing agency based in Los Angeles. Reverend Stephanie is a proud auntie who loves to travel, hang on the river with her family, is a Bruce Springsteen fan, and currently lives in New York City with her cats, physics, and the funk. Thank you for being with us, Reverend Stephanie. What an honor it is for us. Our hearts and minds are ready to learn from you. What an honor it is to be with uh, you here all this Valentine's Day morning. I am a longtime admirer of this community and the work you and God are doing together in this world. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to share in the good news with you. Will you all join me in a moment of prayer as we bless this time together? Holy One, may your words inspire our words, and may our words inspire the work that we are called to do together. Amen. I live in New York City, and I've been here now for about four years. It is an incredible place to live, not just for its living expression of diversity, but for its long and complex history. One of the things that I really like to do is to go on walks through Central Park. It's a really nice socially distanced activity that I never actually get tired of because I've yet to walk the same path twice. During my walks, one of my favorite things to do 
is to stop and read all the plaques that adorn the benches and the rocks and the monuments in this park. Of course, there are probably the ones that you have seen in movies, or maybe you've even seen them in person, like the authors of Literary Walk, or let's say the women's rights pioneers. But most of them, the little ones that are on the benches, you probably don't know, and I didn't either. So one of my habits has become, as I read them on my walks, is to pray for everyone that I read. For example, on the first snow of this year, I walked around the pond and came to sit on a log bench that had a small silver plaque on the back that read, Jeffrey J. Hubbard, 1945 to 2001. All my love, Marie. I prayed that John found peace and that Marie found support and companionship in the memories of her still present love. There are 10,000 park benches in Central Park and many of them have similar plaques dedicated to love and life. These plaques and monuments serve as a permanent marker of something special, something that people wanted to remember, but they also wanted us to experience as well. Maybe it's something big like the United States history of enslaved people that we are called to remember as we look into the eyes of the statue of Sojourner Truth. Or maybe it's a special kind of love as John and Marie shared. But what we know from these plaques and statues is that when something in life overwhelms us, we do what we can to distill it into something manageable and preserve it so that we can come back to it. Or if we are Peter in today's scripture, we offer to build a shelter or a dwelling place. And I get it. It's a really human thing to want to hold on to the meaningful moments in your life. There are moments I know in my life that I look back on and that I wish I would have done more to preserve that time. Family gatherings with my now past grandmother first loves, last goodbyes. They're all held in my heart for when I wish I could go back. So Peter's immediate reaction to the transfiguration is to look around and say, well, here's where we're gonna break ground to remember this day. People are gonna wanna come to this place and experience all that Jesus and Moses and Elijah have to offer us to remember the timelessness of our faith in this gathering of our teachers, prophets, and savior. It's why we have church buildings and digital worship spaces. We gather together to remember and worship the specialness that is and was and is to come in Jesus the Christ. And now I'm not trying to say that these spaces go against the work of Jesus, not at all. I just mean to remind us that these places are not the only spaces where these moments happen. To think so is to try and capture and keep and hold on to the gospel. But today's scripture reminds us what we continue to forget. And that is, you can't cage the gospel. The gospel does not dwell. Now I'm using the term gospel to mean the justice-seeking life, work, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, all of which is present or alluded to here in today's scripture, the text known as the Transfiguration, the second apocalyptic experience of God in breaking to the world during the life of Jesus as told by Mark. 
And now you may say, but Reverend Stephanie, the resurrection of Jesus is not for another 47 days. And friend, you would be correct. But this text is the scripture that helps us see clearly to the resurrection, which is not only helpful for us to situate ourselves in the yearly calendar, which friends, I don't know about you, but I could use a lot of help with these days as these weeks and months really seem to blend together. But really, this text helps us situate ourselves in our faith journey. You see, the Bible tells us a lot about Jesus. It tells us that he was special from the beginning. It tells us that he was a person of color born to a teenage refugee. It tells us that he loved learning about God from a young age and that he has friends and maybe even a best friend. It tells us that with Jesus, we need to fight systemic sins like racism and poverty and give comprehensive health care to everyone. And it tells us that he was murdered by the governing powers for speaking truth to power. But what it doesn't tell us is where Jesus lived. Never in all of scripture, just Jesus turned to his or his beloved disciple or Mary or Peter and say, friends, it has been a long day. I am headed home. No, Jesus may find a place to rest, but it is not permanent because the gospel is always on the move. The gospel does not dwell. Now, this is not to say that Sabbath isn't important. It absolutely is. The Bible tells us so many times, but we rest not so that we stop, but that so we can continue. This time stolen away with Peter, James, and John reminds us to get to a place in life where we can see what was behind us and what is in front of us so that we can prepare ourselves for what is to come. Now, maybe you are like Jesus and to clear your head, you head to the mountains. Maybe for you, it's an extra therapy appointment. Maybe it's a talk with your partner. Maybe it's a long run or a quick nap. Whatever it is, don't wait to do it because God is showing you right now in your life the work that is coming your way. When we are in the thick of life, it can be really hard to see. That's why Jesus goes up to the mountain. He knows that he has 40 days and only 40 days. And from that mountaintop, he can see both the beginning and the end. But the others don't see it coming, which is why he has to do something that seems, I guess, for lack of a better term, magical and attention getting to make them pay attention. Friends, what is God doing in your life that is trying to get your attention today? But see, we won't be the Peters of that story because we know what to do. We know that the work is our legacy and that the plaque of, the, of that work will be in the freedom of those we help liberate through justice and equity. We won't try and distill God's overwhelming grace into a dwelling place or even three. We will be overwhelmed by God's abundant grace and, faithful, and faithfulness because we must be. But rather than be selfish, hoping to keep it to ourselves and hold on to it so that we might come back and examine it at another time, maybe even share it amongst our friends and family. 
but rather than build it a shelter or a dwelling place or even an altar. We will build it wings. We will build it wings and set it free. Instead of cages, we will build perches. Instead of reveling in our own experience of God's love and mercy, saying like Peter, how wonderful it is for us to be here. We will nourish it well and set it free so that more or even all of God's creation can have that same experience. Friends, this coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and it's the day we put our finger on the pulse of our mortality and commit ourselves once again to the cycle of life that created us. Thinking about the full cycle of our lives can feel a little bit maudlin sometimes. It can remind us of all that we have and haven't done, wondering if our life's work is noticed, appreciated, life-giving, change-inducing. But it's not meant to once again distill the magnitude of your existence into something small your name serving as the plaque of your existence. No, it's meant to remind you that what you do matters. Your time on this earth is not by accident. No breath is a waste. You are part of the expansiveness of time, of life, love, of God. Returning to the dust that made you and was made to outlive you. Dust is in constant motion and it too cannot be contained. The dust of you swirls through the air, finding perch after perch after perch of time and space, carrying you with it. It too does not dwell. You do not dwell. Or at least not for long. Ash Wednesday also starts our time of Lent, a time of reflection and commitment to the work ahead. And I've been thinking a lot about the ways I'm going to try and be a bit more intentional to my faith and community during Lent. And one of the things that I am committing to is to learn more about the people who inspired my favorite and most influential authors. Particularly, I want to know about the titles of my favorite authors' books and how they came to be. For me, titles are sort of like the monuments and plaques of Central Park. They have a tendency to distill and make manageable something overwhelming. So I know that I'm a few days early but I was feeling led to start this practice with you all this morning. So I decided, decided to start with one of my favorite books, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou. Friends, this book is one that has fueled my passion for justice. It supported me in my growing edges of divesting comfort and decentering my privileges. And it has inspired me in new ways every time I read it. It speaks to me anew with each reread, the same way I believe the Bible is still speaking to us. The title of this book I learned is from a poem called Sympathy by Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And the last part of Dunbar's poem reads like this. I know why the caged bird sings. Ah me, when his wing is bruised and his bosom sore, when he beats his bars and he would be free. It's not a carol of joy or glee, but a prayer that he sends from his heart's deep core, but a plea that upward to heaven he flings. I know why the caged bird sings. 
Both Angelo and Dunbar speak from a deep longing for personal and collective freedom in the way that I hear our black and brown siblings sing and chant from the streets today. They talk to each other as family and movements, both feet and generations apart. The way Jesus speaks to Moses and Elijah, the way Jeffrey still speaks with Marie, the way we are speaking to each other today. Because a plaque or a dwelling place can tell a single story, keeping it caged in one place in time. But it's the community, the systems of justice, the overwhelming grace of God, the love that allows it to take, to take flight. Friends, I am grateful to be witness to the ways the gospel takes flight in your community. May this Transfiguration Sunday remind us that the ones who are transformed through the good news of Christ is us. May this coming season of Lent be a time where we find new ways to help the gospel take flight, to purchase unknown or known only to God. Because as much as we may long to hold on to it, the gospel can never be caged. Amen and amen. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Dr. Lori Walkie, Senior Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church in Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at www.mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are currently online only premiering at 11 a.m. on Mayflower's Facebook page. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street in Oklahoma City, one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.